Hey there, Bulldogs, and welcome to this week's episode of Beyond the Tassel. This is your host, Carla Quintanilla. I am a marketing major at the sales class of 2021, and I am so delighted to be hosting this podcast with the purpose of reconnecting with our alumni and informing current students like you about the endless possibilities beyond college. Prepare to be inspired through the incredible stories of our alumni and learn valuable insights from their career journey. We are here to help you spark your career curiosity and encourage you to begin exploring your future possibilities. Now, without further ado, let's get started with this week's guest. Hi there, this is your host, Carla, tuning in to another episode of Beyond the Tassel. We thank you for listening today. And we are so thrilled to present to you Angela Sigley Grossman to the podcast. Angela graduated from the sales in 2006 with a BA in dance. Short after graduation, she pursued her Master of Fine Arts in Choreography and Dance Performance. Today, Angela is a beloved dance professor at DeSales University, and this is actually her 10th year at DeSales. So today we celebrate her accomplishments on this episode by speaking about the diversity of opportunities within the dance field and how Angela discovered her purpose in her career. Also, we talk about some of the qualities that dancers have that go unnoticed. Lastly, this weekend, streaming April 10th and April 11th, 2021, we have the Dance Ensemble Concert at the Sales University. If you would like to attend, you can gain access to the virtual performance by visiting tickets.tosales.edu. Now we proudly present the story of our alumni, Angela Sigley Grossman. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Beyond the Tassel. Uh, we are happy to have you listening and tuning in to the stories of our alumni. And today we have Angela Sigley Grossman. She is a class of 2006, graduated with a dance uh, bachelor's, a BA, and we're here to learn from her. She's currently a, a the sales professor as well. Hi, Angela. How's it going today? Hi, Carla. It's great. Thanks so much for having me today. Yes, thank you so much. It's uh, it's good to have you. I know we spoke uh, briefly last uh, month and we were talking about the dance performances for this semester and it seems like it was yesterday, but now you guys are wrapping up and editing the videos so that it can go live and virtual performing um, in April 10th, I believe. Yep, April 10th and 11th, we're streaming our virtual dance ensemble concert. It's very exciting. Yeah, oh my, can you briefly give us a little bit of a, um, a summary of what those performances uh, entail and how people can um, you know, access those tickets? Yeah, absolutely. So our dance ensemble concert is an annual performance. We have every year on the main stage in the Labuda Center for the Performing Arts. And this year it's a virtual concert. Mm -hmm. um, so dance ensemble is a, performance where we bring in guest choreographers, professional guest choreographers to work with our students. And the students also get work set on them by the faculty. So you've got a new piece by faculty member Elise Jooms. You have a piece by Julia Mayo, who's our chair. And then I have a new piece on the program as well. And then we also have a historical reconstruction by Paul Taylor, which we're very excited about. And we also have a work by uh, New York-based artist Caroline Furman, who joined us for a Zoom residency, the first one we've ever done. And our senior dance majors have a screen dance work choreographed for them by Nicole Wolcott. So if there's a little something for everybody. And in order to get your streaming link, you can just contact the Labuda box office. Wonderful. And the performances are all in one, like everyone can see the whole performance in, in one night. It's not separate performances. That's right, all in one night. So it's about an hour and a half. You get the link, you watch the pieces, and um, it's a really great show. We filmed okay. this weekend, and it's awesome. I definitely want everybody to check it out. Absolutely, and I, I think it's fascinating how this sales has been able to adapt to this new art form uh, and ways to deliver and express the arts through uh, virtually and, and uh, social media and everybody's doing a great job. I think DeSales has definitely been, because you know there are other colleges that are not doing any any performances. So we are very lucky and we thank DeSales for being diligent and resilient in this sense. 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we need the arts more than ever right now, I think. And uh, yeah, we've been so fortunate. We're here in person and we're using the technology at our disposal and making yeah. sure we've got something to share with our audiences. Yeah, wonderful. All right. Well, thank you for that introduction and information for anyone listening that would like to attend uh, the virtual performances. But now let's talk about you, Angela. Uh, we would like to, uh, you know, highlight your story in your career as a um, as a dance major, you know, previously in college and also um, as a as a professional performer uh, and professor. So let's backtrack a little bit about um you know back in 2000 in 2004 2006 when you were at college um at college at the sales what first of all motivated you to choose dance as your major um, many times i think artists um you know they they they're young when they discover their uh, art form and building their craft but for you, what was the story behind saying dance will be, you know, my major in college and something I'll be focusing on? Yeah, of course. So I started dancing at a young age, just like you mentioned. Mm -hmm. um, dance became a, a major part of my life very quickly and um, so much so that it really became a part of my being and a part of myself. And so when it came time to decide about college and what would be the right path, there actually wasn't a decision to be made. There wasn't even a question. It was going to be dance. Um, I didn't even consider other majors or other options. Um, I loved dance so much and loved it so much as a high school student that I knew I wanted to learn as much as I could about dance. And I wanted to have opportunities to perform. I wanted to have opportunities to choreograph. And so there, there was no question. It was something that I knew just needed to be a part of my life in some way. And that is why I chose dance as my major. It chose me. I maybe I'll say maybe I'll say it that way. It chose me. I didn't have any part in that decision making. <laughs> yeah, that's so interesting. It chose you. That's a good way to put it. Yeah. And and you know, when that said, why would you encourage people that are in the same in the same plane as you are to actually go ahead and, and not be afraid to pursue their craft as their field of study in college? Well, if it's such an ingrained part of you, then to not study it or to not pursue it, I feel like you would be doing yourself a disservice mm -hmm. in some ways. You'd be missing that part of yourself that feeds your soul, that um, it's just so ingrained in who you are. And I feel that if I didn't study dance in college, that I, I would have really been, um, yeah, there would have been a big hole in my yeah. in my life and in myself. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying. Like, do what you know do what you love love what you do and also with that um with that thought process like if you didn't pursue it there might have been a uh, a lack of fulfillment knowing that you chose maybe the second not so um passionate part of you mm -hmm. um, than dance so yeah that's a great great advice for anyone listening that uh, perhaps is undecided maybe wants one thing but wants to be safe and choose another thing like if it feels right and if you know you can't imagine yourself without doing that one thing you know go ahead and i think high risk high reward in that sense yes yeah for sure now uh what did you love most about the sales program now and before that if there is a continuance of continuity of of that um you know love for the the sales program yeah, I, I think the thing that I loved then and the thing that I love now are the same, except that I'm looking at them through different lenses. So as a student, I valued so much the community of dance majors and community of friends and the community of people at DeSales. And that is still the same thing that I love. I love seeing the community of my students. And one of the things that I remember the most about being a student, I loved my classes, of course, um, in dance and also in other subjects. I just, I love school. I've always loved school. Um, so I very much enjoyed um, just learning as much as I could about different subjects. And um, I, of course, loved all of my professors, but what I remember the most was those times in the studio with my friends, we would be meeting late at night to practice our combinations or practice for our practical finals, um, getting together to choreograph for shows. And those, those moments of creativity and passion with my classmates are the things that I remember the most, those friendships and that community building. Even sitting in my dorm room with my roommate talking about our classes and about our projects. And I'm seeing that so much now also in the students, there's such a strong community 
Yeah. And this sounds kind of cliche to say they're a little family, but they, they definitely are a family. Uh, they're not the kind of, we're not the kind of department where they step on each other to reach the top. You know, I always say yeah. that they, li- they lift each other up to succeed. And, um, and that's something that I think is just a vital part of DeSales in general. That's DeSales mm-hmm. in a nutshell, but I see it just manifested so clearly in the dance majors and the way that they interact with one another. And it was the same when I was a student too. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I don't know if it's that something like the culture that DeSales has that has curated this very loving, um, also encouraging community within any, um, I mean, I, I can I can speak for the people at, in the business department as well, um, the students, and even more so now that we are in this um, COVID era, that uh, we've become even more uh, united to make sure we, mm-hmm. you know, we're going um, about our college experience um, as comfortably as possible, as, as taking advantage as much as we can. Yeah, so that's good that that it has been in the past, and it, I feel like now that's. The, the, the foundation of our DeSales community and it, it will hopefully continue years on as well. Yeah, I've, I've, I I want to say too that the dance world is is tough. It's tough, right? So yeah. why not be kind to one another while we're here in mm-hmm. school? And these are people that you're, uh, you know, le- you're learning alongside, but they may be people that you're working with in the future. And they may be the people that are setting dances on you and employing you and collaborating with you. And so starting that community now is going to be helpful going into the future your dance friends are your best friends they always say that but that's Ah. it's because the dance world is very small you know and um you're starting you're even starting to network just among your classmates in a lot of ways yeah do you have any of your classmates back in in, when you were in college that you still keep connected with oh yeah oh definitely and um a lot of them are finding different kinds of pathways in dance there's a lot of different ways to make a life in the arts and um yeah we definitely we definitely still keep in touch yeah yeah exactly that i mean and and it's it's years after that you guys um, have still connected so it's important to have that strong relationship with your classmates now um has there ever been i'm curious to know now has there been a dance dance class reunion at all uh even no part not not even the sales um organizing it but even with you guys how how big was your program when you were a senior well I think my class had I want to say there were 12 Mm. and yeah we've talked about we've talked about getting together you know um and I think in small doses, people are, are able to get together, but we haven't yeah. had the big, you know, um, I guess though this would be our 15th year out no. of college. So I don't know if any of you are listening, <laughs> class of 2006, call me up. Yeah, maybe we yeah. can maybe we can do something in celebration of that 15th year. Oh my goodness. Yeah, that would be wonderful. Um, all right, well, Angela, as a, as a DeSales student, uh, what were, and I think you mentioned it previously, but is there anything very specific that were your favorite parts about just the overall college experience at DeSales that maybe like say there's somebody that's um, out there listening that has DeSales as one of their choices uh, as a high school senior that then maybe they can um, think about that, that DeSales offers for them that was your favorite personal part? Well, I think beyond the community of people, I think that the size of the school is really great. I felt as a student that my professors, not just in my dance department, but across the university, I felt like they really knew me. I felt like they knew my strengths. They knew my weaknesses. They um, saw me as an individual and not just another seat in their classroom. And that individualized experience, I think, is really valuable Hmm. because you know, that's how you're going to really bloom is is when people can understand you and see you for who you are and help you succeed. And um, yeah, I think I think the size was was really important. And um, and the community aspect of that, I think, falls in line, too, because with that small size or with that medium size, I would say, is um, a better way to connect with your classmates, your professors, the staff and make it a more enjoyable experience all around, I thought. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's important. Um, like, I, I, um, I like that you're mentioning all of these um, very experiential 
um, parts of college more than like, oh, they have good food or. Oh, well, or they, they didn't. Hun. They, <laughs> no, back then. Um, yeah. So when I was a student, we were eating in um, what, what's now Dorothy Day. Oh, so, yeah. wow. I did not know that. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. That was um, the university center was built while, when I was a student. And mm -hmm. so we only had. Um, I think we only really utilized it in my senior year as a dining hall. But before that, it was Dorothy Day. The building that is now known as Dorothy Day was where the dining hall was. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> you learn something new from alumni every time. Every time yes. I have a conversation about how the sales has expanded. Um, okay. That's wonderful. Yeah. Um, now, let's talk a little bit about your experiential learning part of your college experience. And did you pursue any, any summer endeavors or any performances outside of college um, or any internships during your college career? You know, I didn't pursue... Um... I didn't pursue internships. I had summer jobs that were actually unrelated to dance. Mm -hmm. And I am thankful that I did because that ended up setting me up really well later on when I was looking for some supplemental employment when I was in yeah. graduate school. So when I was a student in college, I worked at a golf course and I was waitressing and I was bartending and mm -hmm. just doing the things that you do at a golf course. And, um, you know, managing the snack shack and things like that. And then later on in life, I, you know, was kind of looking for some extra employment while I was in grad school and I was teaching as well. And I ended up um, working as a cater waiter in grad school. And Ooh. so thankfully I had the experience already with some food service and it ended up being a nice flexible job, but it was, it was unrelated to dance, um, although helpful. And, you know, a lot of the things that I got involved in in college weren't necessarily curricular based either like sometimes you have to kind of carve opportunities for yourself and this is something that i would advise young students as well is that if you are hungry for an opportunity and it's something that isn't already offered can you find a way to make it for yourself so uh -huh. i um was really interested in choreographing and i decided to you know, continue making work, even if there wasn't a formalized venue to do that. I would get people together. We would get yeah. in the studio. We would make some dances and we would show it to people. And um, that those were activities that I sort of did extracurricularly, but while I was in school and I was, um, I was also teaching dance at a studio at the same time. And that was sort of a job that I kind of kept kind of from high school on that ended up being an option for me when I graduated, although mm -hmm. I ended up kind of eventually going in a different direction um, and landed here in the end. Yeah, but. well, but I, I think, again, like it's important to still, the, the idea of experiential learning, it doesn't really have to match with your major as long as you are building those skills because, um, you know, instead of, I, I, I believe, right, this is my personal opinion, that summers are the best opportunity for you to be learning outside of the classrooms and also, or any winter break, uh, but instead of just taking a actual break, like how can you be building your skills as a student to become more competent in your field, to, to discover new, new fields, right? New jobs that you can eventually pursue as a professional. Um, but even if it is just um, like working at your local mom and pop shop, right? Like it's still uh, an experience that you're learning from, you're meeting people, you're, um, communi you're learning how to communicate as opposed to not, um, you know, doing that and, and doing something more, more comfortable. Like, you know, just yeah. enjoying summer vacation. You know, yeah. I think as, as we grow as, an, as a young adult, you have to consider, you know, what the trade-off would be in the future. Yeah. And, you know, people have to earn money over the summer too. And that was a motivating factor to make sure that yeah. I was working over the summer so that I, I could continue my passion. And the skills that I had learned working at the golf course were the ability to multitask, you know, as a yeah. food service person, uh, ability to communicate, time management, and all of those things, those critical thinking, those problem solving skills are vital in the dance world as well. Mm -hmm. So there, you know, there's, there were, there were benefits. And like I said, it helped me out a lot later when I, when I kind of relied on that skill set to earn a little extra money on the side when I was in graduate school. Yeah, that's awesome. 
Now, um, let's talk about that uh, post-graduation, graduate school time, mm -hmm. job seeking uh, mm -hmm. time, right? Well, but first, before that, like, what was your your plan, your vision when you were in college for your career? I know dance could be many things. You could be a teacher, you could be a performer, you could do like you know, choreographing the genre that you're getting into, where you're, you know, performing. What was your original long-term goal for your career? Yeah, I assumed that uh, what a dancer did when they graduated was that they moved to New York City and then they <laughs> performed. And that was that was what I assumed. And that is what people told me happened. And that is what the plan was. And it was very narrow minded at, at the time, I admit, mm -hmm. because now that I'm kind of on the other side of it, I realize you could go into dance and movement therapy. You could be a dance writer. You could do mm. production work for dance. There's a lot of things you can do for dance in addition to performing, opening a studio choreographing teaching and that kind of thing and so mm -hmm. that was just kind of I had my my narrow vision of that's what I'm going to do and I figured I had a teaching job if I wanted it as well at a studio nearby and so I when I graduated I'm like yep that's what I'm gonna do I'm gonna move to New York and I'm going to audition and I'm just gonna get a job and be a famous dancer <laughs> and um you know <laughs> And I kind of forgot, you know, that there's like lots of other things you can do. So I remember going up to, to the city several times, like apartment shopping. And every single time I went up there, I was like, God, I don't, this doesn't feel right. This doesn't, I don't like this environment. I don't mm -hmm. want to be here. Like, what is going on? This is what I, I'm supposed to do. This is what I'm supposed to want. And this is what dancers do. So what is wrong with me? And I had to take a step back and, uh, yeah, a little discernment, like what is what is actually, what is my pathway? And here I have my bachelor's degree. I don't really have, um, you know, I don't have that job lined up. And there's that moment of panic, I think that some seniors may experience if they don't have it all figured out by the time that they graduate and there's this panic and they don't have that job offer. And if it felt like a really good time to take a step back and just try a couple of things. And because once I realized that I just did not want to be in the city and I didn't, did not want that kind of life. And I really wasn't even excited about auditioning or even performing for other people. I took a step back and I, um, I decided to try a couple of other things. So I was teaching at this dance studio and I also ended up teaching, I was a substitute teacher at the Lehigh Valley Charter High School for the Arts for a year. And I landed that job because I just went there one day and said, hey, can I be a sub? And they said, sure. So that's kind of how that happened. I just said I wanted do this? Could I? And they said, yeah, of course, um, which doesn't really happen a lot. But again, carving out those opportunities, I didn't apply for anything. I just went there and had a conversation with somebody mm -hmm. about the possibility of substitute teaching. And I, so I did some subbing. And while I was there, and I was also working in, you know, in food service still, and I was still teaching at a studio in the at the studio I taught at, I was teaching younger students, younger dancers, you know, below the age of 10. And that was very gratifying. But when I was substitute teaching at the high school, uh, I was working with a different level of uh, maturity of dancer mm -hmm. and um, a different level of dedication to the craft. And yeah. that really sparked something in me. And when I was in college, I thought, yeah, yeah, I'll perform, I'll move to New York, be a famous dancer, and then I'll perform for a while, and maybe one day I'll go to grad school, and maybe one day I'll open up my own studio, and maybe and maybe then I'll teach when I'm too old to perform, which is a myth um, <laughs> that at some point you age out, right? Um, <laughs> so I I just really enjoy teaching these um, these really dedicated older students um, that existed at the studio that I taught at, but they weren't the classes that I was offered. So I thought, well, now what? I, I really, really like teaching. And I didn't know that I did because I, I wasn't really mm -hmm. teaching that kind of population before. And um, yeah, I, I remember looking up to my professors in college and thinking, hey, what if, what if I aspire to 
to do that? What if I aspire to be a professor um, in dance at the college level? And how do I do that? So I did a little bit of research into the degree that I would need and what kind of opportunity I would need. And I ended up applying at Temple University for their MFA, that's Master of Fine Arts, in dance performance and choreography. Choreography was something that I fell in love with even before college. And in college, I was able to hone that craft a little bit more. I found a lot of opportunities to choreograph. So I thought, well, you know, college professor aside, I love to choreograph. So this will be a wonderful opportunity for me to learn more about that and to explore myself as a choreographer. So I changed gears and decided to go to grad school, you know, before I got too old to perform. <laughs> the, the, the myth, but um, yeah, and that was a three-year program. Now, the MFA in dance is considered the terminal degree, so it's the highest line that you can uh, go in that specific field of study. So for some fields, it's a PhD, and for some creative fields, like mm -hmm. in theater um, and in dance, it's the MFA. So I knew that that would be the degree that I would need to obtain if I wanted to be able to apply for college-level professor positions. Wow. Yeah. So, yeah. Wow. What? A, well, thank you so much for explaining the whole track that I, and yeah, like the track that you took after graduation and you told you told us a little bit about the thought process of what you thought, what you expected versus once you immersed yourself in that expectation, you're like, mm, I, it doesn't feel right. That into the intuition of this is not going to work for me. And then how you found like the knocking of the doors and building that door for yourself, that's going to be the right fit. Uh, it's so different for the artists, like the, the, the musical theater thespians and the dancers to go about job seeking. It's a little bit different. Like it's not just turning in your resume necessarily. It's showing your craft, your craft mm -hmm. that you have in, in your soul and body. Right. Yes. Um, and with that said, like, what would you recommend then? Um, so that it's the, the process of elimination is a little bit less, uh, it's a little bit easier for some a student that um, that can think about it. What would you recommend that a that, that a current student do, or even just a recent graduate, to make sure that they're well prepared for that job journey that will work for them? Like I think it takes a level of inner work to find out what you want to, what fits for you, and like what is the right setting, work environment for you. But is there anything that you would that you wish you did as well, or, or anything you would mm -hmm. recommend? Well, I mean, I think networking is is one of the biggest things in the field, right? So turning in a resume may show a potential choreographer if you're, you know, if you're looking to perform, you may give them your resume and it may tell you, tell mm -hmm. them a little bit about your training and maybe your professional experience, but it doesn't show you, it doesn't show the employer what kind of mover you are. It doesn't show them how you are in class. It doesn't show the demeanor you've got in rehearsal. So networking is key. And so one of the things that we often recommend for our, for our dancers is that they're going to take classes with people that they hope to maybe perform for one day or go to intensives for that company that you're looking to maybe perform for. Show them who you are in rehearsal. Because when I'm, when I'm, you know, wanting to work with people in the rehearsal setting, I want somebody that I know is going to consistently show up because I've experienced that before with that person, or I know that that person's going to quickly take direction, or I know that that person's going to be able to contribute to the rehearsal process. And that's not something that you can learn from a piece of paper or even necessarily from a letter of recommendation. You need that time. And dance can often be very vulnerable. You're bringing so much of yourself into the process that I'm finding that more dancers are getting opportunities to perform through networking and people that they know than they are with mass auditions where hundreds of people mm -hmm. show up and it's just talent because talent is one thing but there are lots of talented dancers out there there's lots of yeah. them so what sets you apart as a talented dancer is it your reliability is it your consistency are you able to be adaptable are you easy to work with do you advocate for yourself though in the, in the process as well do you have those problem solving and critical thinking skills and you don't necessarily know that about a person just by looking at them or by looking at their resume sometimes it takes some time so one thing that i've seen some companies do is they have 
like an audition workshop where it's a couple days and you can come and you spend some time taking class and maybe working on some pieces. And by the end of that workshop, they're able to really tell that this person is somebody we can work with. This person is somebody we can work with. So that networking and putting yourself out there and making sure that you're um, trying to, yes, finding that fit is really important too. But yes, go maybe going to open classes that that person teaches up in New yeah. York. If they're teaching a regular Wednesday night class and you are dying to perform for that person, get yourself in that class, go to that person's performance, follow up with them afterwards. So I love your work. I'd love to, you know, I'd love to hear more about what you're up to or, you know, um, sit down for a cup of coffee, sometimes just breaking bread with a person and talking about their work. You can really find if you align with a person's creative aesthetic and what their practice is. And so that's a, that's a big thing uh, I'm finding in, in the dance world yeah I mean yeah and I think that that's the definition of chasing that dream chasing that job is you're um you're exposing yourself to it you're trying to like push the like the contact you're like make sure that they they know that you're interested and there are many opportunities that from you know a certain company or studio or um you know job networking event that you can continue to show up until they notice until they see and um yeah like that's if you believe in that law of attraction of like you know (laughs) making uh, manifesting that one thing that you want by constantly putting in the work absolutely I Mm -hmm. I think that's one of the best advice that I would also give um, myself too um Mm -hmm. in in what I've seen thus far uh many times when I've wanted something is that the ability to continue to work through it um no and and take no for an answer um would would be the best advice so that's awesome thank you so much for for that i hope that anyone's listening that wants to know just a little bit about not just that like very rigorous like program that you're in but also that extra work to be able to get to where you are mm-hmm. finds this helpful um wonderful so what what is something that when you came back to the sales, right? First of all, how did that job opportunity was presented to you? And what was the first um, kind of impression to come from a student and then into a, a professor position? Yeah, well, I'll say that finding a job in higher education and dance is very, very competitive. Any job in okay. dance can be very competitive. It is very difficult to find a professor position in dance. And I was applying, I had my MFA, I was applying places, but I didn't really have a lot of experience. I was uh, teaching as an adjunct at Temple University for about two and a half years, which gave me my teaching chops a little bit in higher ed, which was really helpful. And I was applying all over, you know, just no bites. And I uh, got a call one day from the dance department at DeSales. And I, after I graduated from DeSales, I, I kept coming back to see the shows. I was really excited about what was being put on the stage. And I wanted to make sure I was connecting with the current students as much as possible. And every time I came back, I spoke to my professors and told them what I was up to. And, and so my professors knew what I was doing and that I was looking for employment. And so I got this call and, um, it was from the chair at the time. And he said, hey, I just want to talk to you about maybe teaching here in the fall. And I thought, oh, like another adjunct position. You know, okay, well, I'm already teaching at Temple in the fall, so I probably can't do it. But and he said, no, we're talking like a full like a full time position. Um, somebody just left and we have to fill this position for a year. So it would be a visiting professor position. And um, I I was thrilled about that opportunity. And so I came and I interviewed for that one year visiting professor position. And during the course of that year, they did a national search for the replacement uh, for that position, that hole that had been filled that I was temporarily filling in for. And I applied for it and uh, they ended up offering me that position, which was a tenure track uh, position, which is, you know, kind of where I am now. So as a, as a former student coming back, um, working alongside of professors that had been my professors uh, in, in college and um, that transition, I think it was really interesting. It's kind of like when you peer behind the curtain, you know, at a magic show or something and you see what's going on behind the scenes. Yeah, it was a I'll little bit like, yeah, it was a little bit like, oh, now I understand so much. Um, 
but really gratifying too, because I knew that I, I had this, you know, base at DeSales, but I also had left to sales and then went other places and had experiences at, you know, another college and another environment that I could bring to DeSales so that it wasn't so much a, okay, well, this is just how it is at DeSales and this is how it's always done, but how can we continue to expand what our students are learning and how can we all contribute um, beyond the walls of DeSales? So it was definitely a little bit of a learning curve just getting a new job I would say and learning mm -hmm. the ropes in higher ed but then also a learning curve of well these were my professors and across the board right not only in dance but in other subjects as well um, these were my professors and now they're my colleagues and now they're people <laughs> that I call I call them by their first names and that's so awkward for me and you yeah. know yeah and and there was there was a little bit um I think at first of um I was rather, I would say I was rather young when I started teaching at DeSales. So um, a little bit of having to prove yourself as the new person in some ways, you know, like I'm not a student anymore, so don't treat me like a student anymore. I'm now faculty, yeah. Well, how how long has it been since you started working for DeSales? Yeah, this is my 10th year. Okay, so, yeah. so okay, so <laughs> I started working there. Um, let me do the math here. Five years after you graduated? Um, Around? Yeah. Yeah. I started I started working at DeSales in 2011. So yeah, so I graduated from DeSales in 2006. I took a year to kind of figure my stuff out. I went to grad school for three years and then I spent the next year teaching at Temple still. So yeah, five years and, mm -hmm. and then I got the job and it ended up being a full-time a permanent position as it turns out because I did get tenure so yeah uh very rare for that to happen <laughs> it doesn't really happen all that often and so I feel very fortunate to be in a place that I've had such positive experiences as a student and be able to impact my students in the same way that my faculty impacted mm -hmm. me for sure yeah awesome wow yeah because it is like that what you were just mentioning, that's why I asked um, the difference between coming from a student, you know, and working with your professors versus now being a professional with your colleagues. Uh, very interesting. Now, I think I'd like to talk to you about just some of the questions that I'm personally curious about uh, to learn from you and also for people to know a little bit more about you. Um, what is your favorite genre of dance to teach? Verse or you know does it vary like you like to perform this genre versus you like to teach a different genre do you have any preferences well i what i teach what i teach and i what i prefer to perform would be um, more like a contemporary modern style um and that's kind of what i was performing the most kind of in grad school and after grad school i would say that my favorite thing to teach would actually be not a physical technique class. It would be, I really enjoy choreography and I love uh, dance composition. So I teach a couple of classes here that are teaching students the skills to create their own dances and to choreograph their mm -hmm. own pieces. And that is one of the things that I love as a teacher the most is problem solving with students and um, that okay, you want to, you want to make this statement, like, how, how can you do that? Like, let's figure this out. Let's sit down together and like have a discussion about your work and about your art and about your ideas and putting that out there. So I teach the first level of the dance. Um, it's a dance composition course and it's like the, the first steps that they're taking, like how to actually create dance. And then I also teach the creative process course, which is more of an advanced choreography class and is a class that I developed for the curriculum here and they're very very different but they kind of meet the students on two ends of the spectrum like their mm -hmm. first choreography class and then afterwards where it's kind of more of an exploratory laboratory type of class where they can really make any kind of work that they're interested in making and so that's what I enjoy teaching the most is those sort of open-ended let's let's solve a problem there's so many ways to solve a problem in dance. Yeah. Let's use those critical thinking skills. They're such big critical thinkers. And then, and how do we use our art to make a statement? And how do we use it to make a difference? And those are the conversations I like having. Yeah. yeah. Now the idea of solving a problem in dance, what is typically a problem? Um, 
to solve and what is usually the result. <laughs> oh gosh, there's so many things. Um, yeah, because okay. I'm curious, just because for me, a problem is, you know, budgeting, like yeah. we have to find a budget for a certain uh, project in business, but for you, it's a completely different topic. Yeah, so, um, okay, so one prompt that I might give the students is that they, this is a, a prompt, it's not one that I've created. Um, it's one that I've, I've borrowed from somebody else, but it's a it's called a tiny dance. And so um, we make tiny, tiny dances where the stage is mapped out to be four foot by four foot, right? It's a very tiny box. Mm-hmm. You have to make a dance that fits into that small box. You don't have a huge stage. You have to figure out how to make a dance that is contained and how and how can you use that to convey a specific kind of emotion? Are you using that small stage to convey this idea of being trapped? Are you using it to, um, maybe are you creating a duet and there's a comment on a personal relationship or um, feeling trapped somehow? Or um, one student made a very funny piece about being trapped in an elevator. And so Mm -hmm. using this idea of the space to really dictate the concept. Um, And another thing might be find a piece of contemporary art and then you create work that um, responds to what you're imagining and what you're seeing in those pieces of contemporary art. Mm. Um, a problem could very simply be create a 30 second movement phrase that changes level three times. You know, there's mm-hmm. countless ways to do just that. And then you do it and then we look at it and well, what's interesting about that? Mm. What if we change this? What happens if we turn it around. What happens if we reverse the order of what you just did? What happens then? What if we add another person to the mix? What happens then? So yeah, that those are some problem solving. Um, that's, that's a lot of what choreography classes are. Yeah, I yeah. Kind of, here's a problem, go do this thing. And then they all come up with all the different solutions to do that. And then we look at them and we talk about them and we dissect them. And what do we see in those, in those solutions? Yeah. Yeah. That's so, so interesting. The word choreography, do you know the, the the choreo versus like what is the the definition specifically? Oh gosh, do you, um, I, mean, I don't know. Like the <laughs> etymology of it, I you know I sh- I feel like I should as a self proclaimed choreographer. I feel like I should know that. It's it's creating dance movement. Yeah, and yeah. and and comp- yeah, it's composing dance movement. Yeah, or movement is- of the body. Yeah, right. That's what it is. That's that's exactly what I I just looked up. It's <laughs> dance. Graphy means writing. So writing the dance. You know that. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Cause, cause I, mean, I think what you were saying about solving a problem and having this prompted visual of what the dance would look like in, in your given space, whatever it is, it's um, very creative, obviously, but very also intuitive and, and um, interpretive. Right. Mm-hmm. I am sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. Very cool. Um, cu- quite the different uh, classroom experience than uh another field of you know another major (laughs) yeah there there are times when we're in class and if my students are listening to this and they will they will know I say this all the time where I'm like we're the only people on campus that are trying to find different ways to do what we're doing you know you're the (laughs) only ones that are I'm asking you to you know do all these different tasks we're the only people on campus doing this you know and how interesting that is yeah now um with that uh with just mentioning what a dancer does, what they study, how they study things. What are some qualities slash practices or even habits that are kind of important to to have as a as a dancer and also to build yourself to be a professional dancer? Yeah, um, well, showing up, I think, is really important. Mm. And I don't mean that just in in terms of showing up to class or showing up to rehearsal, but showing up for your art form and you know, I, I have a lot of respect for the art form that, um, you know, I think that that's really important that you're continually engaging somehow in it, that you're taking class for yourself and that you're, because that's how you're training is by continuing to take class. That's how you're um, keeping your body um, engaged with new practices and new styles and, you know, all of that. And that's helping you improve technically, but it's also sharpening your mind a little bit too, you know, um, we're, we're thinking movers as well. And so showing up, I think is, is really important for, for the art form and, and for yourself, not, not necessarily for other people. Right. So you're, first of all, you have to have that dedication because it's tough. 
it's very difficult. Um, and so you, you can't have this um, mindset of like, well, when it gets hard, I'm just going to, that's it. Um, I'm just not going to do it anymore. Because it, it is going to get hard. It is very difficult. Um, you know, the, it's a physical art form. So you're, the limitations of the body, sometimes injuries, um, yeah. you know, can, can kind of impact things in a negative way. So continue to show up, make it a habit, make, make your, your creative practice a habit that you're doing consistently. And that skill is going to translate later on to, you know, when you do get that gig and you're consistent about your work in rehearsal. Um, other things I think are really important. I've mentioned so many times that problem solving and critical thinking, mm -hmm. those skills, you know, um, I, that you're, you know, able to contribute to rehearsal processes. There's more and more we're finding that um, in rehearsals is it's becoming less of like a, the choreographer tells you exactly what to do and how to do it, but it's become more of a collaborative process between dancers and choreographers. So having a comfort level of um, being able to contribute to the rehearsal process, whether that's through improvisational prompts or, um, you know, short explorations of movement that are leading to set choreography. Um, so we're looking for, you know, adaptability, versatility, dependability, <laughs> reliability, yeah. all those things. Yeah. I think those are true across the board too, right? Like no matter what, yeah. what field you're in, you got to show up, you know, you got to, yeah. I, I believe that in like awareness and having that like, um, like attention to that one thing and giving it all your efforts to develop and grow mm -hmm. in that one thing. Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think that's excellent advice. Uh, and and finally, I like to ask you two questions mm -hmm. to wrap up. And the first one is, um, what are you most passionate about in your job right now? Uh, if you want to share maybe anything about what you think your purpose is in in what you teach and how you teach it. Yeah. Well, I mentioned briefly the the classes that I enjoy teaching. And that mm -hmm. correlates a lot with um, one of the things that I love the I love to do is when I get the chance to direct our student choreographed show, the Emerging Choreographers Concert. And in that concert, it's um, upperclassmen who are, you know, maybe for the first time producing their work on a stage. And I love the mentorship process of sitting mm -hmm. down with those students and looking at their work or maybe even visiting their rehearsal and seeing what's going on and talking with them about how they're communicating those ideas mm -hmm. through movement and really just those conversations to me are really really valuable and that is one of the things that I am the most passionate about in my job is is kind of mentoring a student through creating work yeah yeah all right and and finally which I, I love um, communicating through movement. That's dance. Mm -hmm. Like that's pretty much right. The yes. definition of dancing. Yes. Uh, finally, if you could turn back the clock and you would be back with your 19 year old self as a freshman in college, what is something that you would tell her? Do you have any like advice or words of affirmation knowing where you would end up at? Yeah, I think that, well, I probably would, tell myself not to have such a rigid idea of mm -hmm. what a career in dance could be and that maybe maybe I wouldn't listen so much to what other people told me dance was because other people who were out, maybe outside of the dance world didn't always have a, a well-rounded um, sense of all the different facets that you could you could find in dance. And because in my role right now, I'm a teacher, I'm a choreographer, I'm also an administrator. Um, I do production work, I, you know, I do yeah. a lot of things. So there's a lot just in one, in this one job. I don't just teach, you know, there's a lot of other things that I do with, with dance in the, in the process. Yeah. So I would say maybe don't be so rigid in this idea of, well, this is what it's going to be. This is the plan. And to, uh, you know, maybe let myself be a little bit more open to, trying new pathways maybe earlier on but I also you know I also don't regret the journey that I took you know I would hate to give myself that advice and then it not turn out this way you know what I mean mm -hmm. um to turn back the clock because I think that 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 moment of 
oh, I don't want to move to the city and perform for other people. I don't actually like performing for other people. I actually like to choreograph my own work just now, you know, and I, and I didn't know that. I just assumed, well, dancers perform for people and that's what we do. <laughs> and um, yeah, I, I think that moment of stepping back and having to do a little digging and self-reflection, I think that that was necessary and really valuable uh, to have gone right. through that moment of, of just confusion and just yeah. being upset and not knowing and questioning everything. It was not enjoyable, but it, but it was valuable and it was necessary. Yeah. Like you said, so, so when you said about um, questioning and being frustrated with yourself and not knowing and, and, but that allows you to grow. Mm -hmm. um, I always put this in, in uh, the glow stick analogy. Have you heard of it is in order oh. for the glow stick to glow, it must break first. Oh, great. I love so, that. I am so happy that I was, I'm very you know, honored to talk to every alumni, but especially, you know, now in this time where you are showcasing your performances and uh, it's mm -hmm. the perfect timing to release an episode with you. Uh, yeah. So I thank you for your time. I will be watching this performance. So I'm excited to see what everyone um, was able to do. Yeah, the resiliency of the, of the dance world, you know, like yeah, we, we yeah, never stopped. Yeah. We couldn't stop. We did shift online, but we never stopped dancing. And mm -hmm. uh, I've been very proud of just the dance field in general, but especially our students. And when you see the show, you'll see what I mean. They're, they're <laughs> incredible artists. They really are. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. We have um, our lovely friend, Lauren Linder, who is a career ambassador. Yes. Well. We'll be watching her and she yes. also edits our episodes. So she'll be editing our episodes. And I know. I know. <laughs> I, I'm very, I'm very proud of her. Yeah. Very good. Well, it's so nice. Thank you again for, um, for being part of our episode. You will be, um, you will be, I think our 15th episode, which is crazy. Um, wow. But yeah, it's, it's nice to have um, a professor, faculty, and an alumni as well. If anyone wants to connect, right, with you, we have um, the DSU Mentor Program. I believe you are part of it, but if there's anyone that would like to know a little bit more about you, um, how can we find you? How can we, do you have a LinkedIn? Is there any way that we can? Yeah, I'm on you? LinkedIn, sure. Um, I think it's under Angela Grossman or Angela Sigley Grossman. And okay. uh, my email address is easily uh, sourceable yes, on the sales website, angela.grossman at desales.edu. And yeah, definitely connect if anybody has questions or just, yeah, for sure. I'm open. <laughs> awesome. Great. Thank you so much. Well, that wraps up today's episode with Angela Sigley Grossman, and we will talk to you another time. Bye. Bye. Thanks, Carla. Thank you once again for tuning in to today's episode of Beyond the Tassel. It is our pride to present the success stories of our DeSales alumni via a podcast. If you are a DeSales alumni and would like to become a TSU mentor, you can contact melanie.valone at desales.edu. And if you are currently a DeSales student and would like to connect with an alumni in your field, you can contact kathy.kraus at desales.edu. Until next time, Bulldogs.